0: You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. For more information, visit us at www.redwoodbaptist.org. The message you're about to hear is from Mark chapter 5, entitled, The Power of Jesus. Uh, if you would, take your Bibles or your electronic devices and turn to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. Uh, once again, if you're a first-time guest with us, we are thankful that you're here with us this morning. And If you haven't received a gift, uh, there's one in the back there, so be sure on your way out to grab one. That's a gift from us, saying we're thankful that you were here with us this morning. Uh, Mark chapter number 5. Thank you for turning there. Let's begin reading verse number 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. It's going to be a, a lengthy scripture, but uh, i read it in such a way, hopefully it'll keep your attention, all right? So let's read it here. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So the person that that we're speaking of right now is Jesus. He's just gotten out of the ship, and then uh, a guy that meets him is a man with an unclean spirit. He's a demon possessed man. And so, verse three, this description of the demon possessed man. Verse three, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man can bind him, no, not with chains. Verse 4, because he had, see, he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Verse 5, and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice, said, What have I had to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, come out of the the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked them, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Verse 11. Now there was there nigh unto the mountain a great herd of swine, also known as pigs, okay? Pigs, feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Verse 14. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went, to see, went out to see what was, that was done. And they came to Jesus. And see him that was possessed with the devil. And he had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Verse 20, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all the men did marvel. Man, what a bizarre story. (laughs) What a crazy story. This morning, if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is entitled The Power of Jesus. The Power of Jesus. Of Jesus let's pray father we uh, come before you once again and Lord I come before you in need of your grace and strength and I pray that God as a friend texted me this morning to let Jesus work through you I pray that that would be the case this morning father I'm asking you to speak through me Lord I pray the things that I would say would be what you would want me to say and the things that I would say that you don't I pray that you take that away Father, I pray that we'd see you again today. I pray that we'd see Jesus once again of how great and awesome and how powerful he is in our lives. And God, I pray as we dissect this section, Lord, I pray that we'd come away with more encouragement and joy and and hope and and faith and and, and love for you as we lift you up this morning. God, I just pray that you would bless our pastor, help him as he's away, encourage him and his family, help them to get some rest and relaxation. And God, I just pray that you would meet with us this morning Thank you so much for all that are here this morning to be under your word. And God, I just pray that you would be honored and glorified. We love you, and we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. See, as we begin this morning, let's be honest. (laughs) What I just read to you was a crazy and bizarre story. This is something you could see in a movie pretty much, right? This demon-possessed man comes out of nowhere, starts coming to Jesus, and there's a description of this man, and he's crazy. He lives in tombs, right? He's hanging out in the tombs. I don't know of anybody, but of um, uh, uh, who likes to hang out in tombs, raise your hand if you like to be in the cemetery at night. Anybody? Some of you guys might have some weird ways, but no? Okay, good. All right. So this guy, the, the description of him is crazy, right? And we, and we think about this story, and it's kind of like, well, it's kind of an odd story. Why, why does this really have to be in the Bible? How does this really work for me? What is this really conveying to me? It's not like every day, you know, you read about pigs just running off violently demon-possessed right off to a cliff, right? You just don't read those types of things. And you might be wondering, what, what does this have to do with me? We don't live in that type of reality. This event, doesn't, this event occurred years and years ago. What could a demon-possessed man's story teach me other than that that, that place really just lost a lot of bacon, all right? As the pigs ran off, they pretty much lost a lot of bacon sales, all right? bad joke all right not going back to there again all right good so i thought it was funny when i wrote it in my notes i thought it was pretty funny but it wasn't that funny so okay next time i preach this taking that out all right the truth of the matter is that this story puts on a display for us and it puts on a display for us the power of jesus when i was reading this story and i just kept reading it over and over again what could the only thing that kept popping out of the story is just the power of jesus and if I were to continue to read this entire passage, because verses 5 through 20, 1 through 20, it doesn't end. The whole chapter is 43 verses. And if I were to keep reading this passage of scripture, guess what I would find? I'd find the power of Jesus in the account of a, a, a father whose daughter is dead. And yet Jesus, by his power, raises her back to life. And if I continue reading again, within that one story of this man whose daughter's dead, that you find a woman who's been diseased for 12 years, could not find a cure, the Bible says. It says she, she paid all that money, she, looked, she sought out physicians, she kept going and going and going, and yet nothing would prevail and nothing would help her until she, she encounters the power of who? Jesus. And yet the Bible says she, she gets healed of that. And the Bible says that Jesus said, oh, somebody touched me, and virtue went, or another way of saying it, power. So if you look at the whole passage of this scripture from verses one to 43, you find that this is all about the power of Jesus. And yet this morning, you and I are gonna look at verses one through 20. and We're gonna take this one man, this demon possessed man, and we're gonna look at the power of Jesus through this story. So this morning, we find this in Mark chapter five, and that this is more than enough for our today. And for our tomorrow. That this story is going to help us. The power of Jesus is going to be more than enough for us. So let's take a closer look at Jesus' display of power in the life of this demon-possessed man. Number one, the power of Jesus is greater than the power of the enemy. The power of Jesus is greater than the power of the enemy. Look at verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broke in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And also night and day he was in the mountains in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar so off, he ran and worshiped him. See, in the story, as soon as Jesus... In sight, immediately this man who has been possessed with a demon is automatically at the feet of Jesus in worship. This is astounding to think about. Because in our second point, we will see how the people really tried to tame this this man. They really tried to control this man, but yet we find Jesus just in eyesight. This guy falls at his feet. This is the power of Jesus over the enemy. In most good and versus evil narratives, you never find the bad guy, whenever he sees the good guy, fall at his feet. and He's like, okay, we're good, right? You never see the man, or you never see the bad guy in the good versus bad. You never see the, the bad guy come, and he is in surrender right off to the hero. But in this story, you find that Jesus, the good guy, the hero of the story, takes the bad guy, and as soon as they see each other, the bad guy, I'm done, surrender, I'm coming underneath. What power, what authority? It's crazy to think about it that way, because we live in a world where it's good versus evil, and yet the evil is so defiant, the evil doesn't want to surrender, but yet when it stands in front of Jesus, it bows down at Jesus. Jesus is in complete control and power. And not only that, this demon ascribes worth to Jesus. Mark 5, 7, and cried with a loud voice, look at verse 7, and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? This demon, this enemy, this, the, uh, the, the evil spirit ascribes worth to Jesus. You're the son of the most high God. He gives a correct description of who he is. And yet if a demon can praise God, what about us? Those who've been changed by the light yet it's so hard for us sometimes to muster praise. But yet you find the enemy already going, thou art the son of the most high God. And in Luke 8, 28, the other gospel, it says this on the same account, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, what I have to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God. You know, you find this type of pattern throughout scripture, throughout the gospels, that whenever Jesus would cast out demons, they would most times recognize his authority, and power, Ephesians 1, 19-21, it says this, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and all power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in, his, in this world, but is also that which is to come. Jesus is so powerful, and not only we find the enemy ascribing worth, they also begin to beg for mercy. Man, what power Jesus possesses, what authority Jesus possesses over our enemy. If you're saved this morning, you have an enemy. But if you're saved this morning, you have a king. And yet our king is greater. Our king is stronger. And yet whenever he's faced with the enemy, the enemy bows, the enemy ascribes worth, and the enemy asks for mercy. Mark 5, 7, the rest of that verse says, I adjure thee by God, thou torment me not. Matthew 8, 29 says this, And behold, they cried out, saying, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Matthew gives us a little more clarity on the demon's plea for mercy. Because the demons know that when it's all said and done, they will forever spend eternity in hell, in torment, night and day. The enemy will be completely defeated. I don't know about you, but that is power. And if you're saved this morning, you have that power in Jesus. Don't get me wrong, we are no match in our own strength against the forces of darkness, not even close. But in Jesus, they are no match for us. See, the power of Jesus is even more uh, incredible when we find out the name of this demon. Look at verse number nine. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion. Say that word with me, ready? Legion, for we are many. He begins to define it. But the word Legion is is a Roman military word which denotes a number of soldiers. Now a Legion can vary between three to 6,000 soldiers. Soldiers. So what we know is that this man had, a, had thousands of demonic spirits joined together to terrorize the community and to terrorize this man. And yet the thousands of demons stood no chance against the one Jesus. The power of those demons combined fell flat at the feet of Jesus. Just think about it. One verse is three to 6,000. If you were to stand Jesus, then all those people, man, that would be Kind of unfair. Jesus versus three to 6,000, that's unfair for the demons. For the demons, it's unfair. Because you could have 100,000 of them and they wouldn't even come close to Jesus. That's power, church. And that's Jesus. That's your king. That those demons would fall at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't matter any number. It could be a numerous number. But Jesus is greater than them. Just think about it. It's pretty funny. Jesus had the upper hand. The disadvantage actually fell on the side of darkness. And no matter if they had a couple hundred legions, it would still be an unfair match. The underdog was not Jesus, it was a thousand demonic spirits. Also, think about this. As I said before, those demons cried for mercy because they cried for mercy because they know the time's up, they know they're defeated, they know they have no chance. Ever since they made the chance, ever since they made the choice to leave heaven, to follow the devil, they knew it right then and there. I oh, man wonder what that feeling was like. You're an angel in heaven, serving the most high God, and then for a split second you make the choice and you're like, "You know what? I'm going to this sounds a little bit better. I I think this is going to be great. We're going to start something new." And as soon as they step off of the brim of heaven, they come to realize we're done. We're defeated. They didn't even have a chance to really fight. It was already over. And yet that's the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus is this, that you and I have a Savior that possesses this power. And it should bring inspiration into our lives. It should bring faith, man. It should bring courage. It should bring, uh, it should bring just passion to want to go share the gospel and to go fight the enemy. Because the thing is, our enemy is already defeated in Jesus. And you and I have Jesus with us. And so that means that we can go and talk to people. We can go tell people about uh, the gospel and not be afraid of what they would think about us. Because the thing is, we already have victory in Christ. We sang two specific songs this morning Whom shall I fear? The God of angel armies, and Christ is enough. And those songs are designed to help us who are prone to fear, who are prone to doubt, who are prone to insecurity as it gives to us the breath of fresh air, as we know Jesus is powerful. Man, I love those songs. Whom Shall I Fear? I was in here earlier. I think, oh no, I was in here last night, which is pretty early too, if we're thinking about it. Okay, so I was in here last night, just getting things ready for this morning. And I was playing that song in here in the auditorium. And man, the God of angel armies, Whom Shall I Fear? Nothing formed against me shall stand. He holds the whole world in his hands. And I'm holding on to your promises. You're faithful. Man, church, I don't know about you, but I was, I was, it was a Pentecostal church for a little bit in here by myself. I'm just kidding, okay? I was in here, I'm just hands up, shouting, singing. The neighbor's probably scared. They're like, oh, that's a demon man in there, okay? And I was just, just taken by the power of Jesus and man I know that my life sometimes can depict doubt and I know sometimes my life can p- depict cowardice but if I if I place myself in the power of Jesus man what courage what strength he goes before me he goes behind me man he's everywhere that's the power of Jesus and yet your enemy my enemy has no chance Against him, Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 1 John 4, 4, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than who? Than he that is in the world. Church, let's read that together, the last part. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Whom shall I fear? This should fire you up. I'm already fired up because Jesus is powerful and he's king over the enemy. And the spirit of Jesus lives in us and he is greater than he that is in the world. Jesus dismisses the demons and he sends them into the herd of swine. In verse 10, let's read. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd of, ran violently down a steep place into the sea. That's where the bacon was lost, okay? I'm getting back to it, because I'm recovering that joke. It was funny. All right. And there were about 2,000. Raise your hand if you like bacon. Okay, good, good. I'm starting to quit, because I'm healthy, okay? So, no bacon for me, Okay. So we see the power of Jesus is greater than the power of the enemy. Now let's see the power of Jesus and that it brings real transformation. This is our second point. The first point was Jesus' power is greater than the power of the enemy. The second point is Jesus' power brings real transformation. The power of Jesus brings real transformation. Mark 5.15. And they come to Jesus after this crazy scene just happened. Jesus comes off of the boat everybody's there watching. There's witnesses, bystanders, and this crazy demonic man, they know it's a town crazy, runs over to Jesus, falls at his feet. Jesus has a discussion with the devils. They ascribe worth. They give praise. And then Jesus uh, sends them into the pigs. And the people that were there who were the owners of those pigs, who lost out on that, saw that was happening. And, and then all of a sudden, they see this man who was crazy. Now, not crazy. Mark 5.15. And they come to Jesus And see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. This man was no longer the same. He was completely different. He was a new creature now in Jesus, and he was transformed by the grace and compassion of Jesus. His life was dark, but now he's in the light. And there were bystanders watching this whole event. People who knew who this demon-possessed man was and they didn't know who Jesus was. They, stand, they stood there and they were afraid because they're like, man, we know who this guy is. This guy had been crazy since kindergarten, right? But we don't know who Jesus is. Who is this guy? They thought they were more terrified. They used to be terrified of the guy who was demon-possessed. Now they're even more terrified by the guy who's not. And they're, so they're standing there like, man, what happened? It's power. Mark five fourteen, and they and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what was done, and they and all of they all they have known was the maniac of this town. So these guys they go, they go back to town. Got a great story, and they're telling everybody, man, this happened. This this guy came out of nowhere and he, you know you know you know Craig the one who was demon possessed yeah yeah he yeah he's not demon possessed no more, and yet Jesus. This guy, we don't even know who he came from. He just all of a sudden just showed up. He did something to the guy. And now Craig's okay. So come check it out. So they come back and there's Craig. Back to normal Craig. His his name's not really Craig. So in the, it doesn't give a name, but I gave a name. So okay. And they all have known. And all these people, all they knew was the maniac of this town. Now they can't believe what they're seeing. It's as if this man is a brand new person like biggest loser, except more like biggest maniac. The transformation of this man is incredible so much it brings fear to the people. Now let's contrast the man's behavior before Jesus comes on the scene. Verses uh, two through five. And he was come out of the ship. Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. He lived in the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. He was out of control because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains had been plucked asunder. This guy's got some strength, okay? It's not like he went to 24-hour fitness. This guy had some strength, some supernatural strength within himself because of that demon. Neither could any man tame him. Verse 5, and always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself. That's when he doesn't meet Jesus. That's his natural state of life. But now, let's see what it looks like when he encounters Jesus. We just read, Then they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. Clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Without Jesus, this man was crazy. He was cutting himself. He was crying and he was living in the tombs. With Jesus, this man is sitting. He's clothed and he's in his right mind. See, the power of Jesus brings real transformation. See, the people here tried so hard to do what only Jesus can do. The people here tried so hard by chains and fetters, by different things that they wanted to incorporate to try to get this man to behave, try to get this man to change, try to get this man to perform. And yet all of their methods, yet all of their solutions, all of their different answers fell flat because the transformation comes from Jesus. The power of Jesus brings real, life-changing transformation. So it doesn't matter about behavior modification. That doesn't help. It just masks the problem even more. And yet what the world needs isn't behavior modification. It doesn't need more change. It doesn't need any of these uh, different types of restrictions, regulations. What the world needs is Jesus. And what they need, the life-changing power of Jesus, because that brings transformation. And yet, just think about being the community watchdog who's been planning all the organizations. Man, we're going to get this guy, and he's literally going to change. But then all your efforts, year after year after year after year, nothing. Then Jesus steps on there, and boom, he's changed. I'd be mad. I'd leave. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going, another, I'm going to another island, all right? Jesus brings that real transformation. The power of Jesus was the only cure that would break the chains that around this man's heart. This man could easily break the chains of man's solution, but only Jesus could break the chains of sin's grip. True transformation comes from the power of Jesus. Every person who enters in, into this world is a slave to sin. You're bound in chains of darkness, and these chains cannot be broken by mere try harder. Be good, do good. These chains are not broken by giving money to a church. These chains are not broken by attending a church. These chains are not broken by riding the coattails of other people's relationship with Jesus. These chains are broken only by the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus, the power of the gospel. Jesus sets men free of sin's grip by his own power. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Colossians 1, 12-13, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. The reason he can take us from the power of darkness is because he's got more power than the enemy. And then he translates us into the kingdom of his dear Son. This man who was stuck in darkness has, has now seen the light of day, is now free and transformed by the power of compassion, and grace of Jesus. This man is set free, but realize that he's not not perfect either. For us who have been transformed from darkness to light, those who have been set free by the gospel are still being transformed by the gospel. We're still being transformed in the process we call sanctification as the Holy Spirit begins to work and he works and he works and he works and he brings out of us that which shouldn't be and then puts into us what we are in Christ and we be conformed to the image of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord. Jesus is still transforming us by spirit but true and real genuine transformation comes from the power of Jesus. So right now, we've seen first of all the power of Jesus is greater than the power of the enemy. The power of Jesus brings real transformation and finally, Those who have experienced the power of Jesus are called to tell others. Are called to tell others. Let's look at 17. Verse 17 of Mark 5. You guys have been listening great. We're almost done here. You can go have lunch and have some bacon. And they began to pray him to part out of their coast. Man, these people were so afraid because they've never seen this type of power before. That they actually begin to pray away Jesus. They're like, man, we've seen some weird power, but man, your power is so amazing. It's so crazy. It's so unbelievable. Like we, we're afraid. we got to get you out of here. That's how crazy Jesus' power is. And so they begin to pray that, pray him out of the coast. And in verse 18, and when he was coming to the ship, man, that guy who was in darkness for so long has now tasted the light of day. He had been possessed with the devil, prayed that he might be with him, with Jesus, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, and saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish it in the capitalists, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all the men did marvel. Man, I love the response. The response of this man to the power of Jesus. In this man's life, it's incredible. And for most of us who have been saved by the power of Jesus, our response has been the same. Man, you were that person. You may not have been as crazy as Craig was, but you were the person bound in chains. You were the person not seeing hope, not seeing the light of day, and yet the gospel came through. Jesus stepped on to the shore of your life, and immediately you were there, man, and Jesus captivated you with his grace and his compassion and his love, and yet he unloosed all of those chains, broke them. And now your response, just like this, man, is I want to be with you, Jesus. Jesus. Don't you remember that day? The day you got saved. The day God transformed you. The day God set you free. I remember that day as a teenager. I was going to church. I was in seventh grade. I thought I was saved. But I remember just, just knowing that I wasn't. Sit preaching after preaching after preaching. And yet this conviction of, Mike, you're not saved. And, and man, the enemy was right there. The enemy came and he was just right there. And he was like, people, th- people think you're saved, Mike if you get saved again, they're going to think you're a liar. And for a little bit of time, I began to give in to that voice. I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm a liar. But yet one day I was just like, Lord, you know what? You you want to save me. I remember being on a bus going to a youth conference and I asked one of the senior guys on the bus and said, listen, I need Jesus. Can you please help me? And he showed me from the gospel how to be saved, how that Jesus died for me, how he gave. And I knew all of those things, but yet it was so brand new to me. And I was like, I needed that, and yet I got saved. And then from that point, I was like, Jesus, I want you. And yet it was like being on cloud nine. It was amazing. And yet you know that too if you're saved this morning. And yet this man was ready to leave it all. His town, he was ready to leave his friends. He was ready to leave it all, his vocation, everything. He was ready to leave it to be with Jesus, but we find Jesus rejecting this man's request. Man, I've been rejected many times, and by mostly girls, okay? Man, just think about being rejected by Jesus. Now, it wasn't a bad rejection. It wasn't a a rejection of dislike towards this man. Not at all, man. He loved this man. It was a rejection of empowerment. He's like, no, 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 you've been set free. Yes, I'd love for you to come with me now, but right now I need you to do some things for me. I need you to, to go and help others release those chains. I, I need you to go and tell others of what has happened to you, that it could happen to them. You know what's so great about this guy? Is that this guy was like, all right, and he just went, boom. And he began to tell his friends, his family, everyone, and he just went out and did it. He, can't, he went from a maniac to a messenger. But you know what's so cool about the story? Is that he didn't get any formal training. What's so cool about the story is he didn't go to four years of Bible college and learn personal evangelism. He had an encounter with Jesus. He had the power of Jesus transform his life. And yet all he had was his story. All he had was his testimony. All he had was what Jesus' power did for him. And all you've got is what Jesus did for you. I'm not saying don't learn answers. Don't, don't, know, you know, don't study. I'm just saying sometimes you might think it, way overthink it, when what people really need is just the bizarre story of Jesus saving you. It's bizarre. But it's Jesus saving you. And yet that's what the world needs because God said, I mean, Jesus said, uh, Romans says this, um, that, that God uses the, the, the base things of the world. It might not be Romans, but God uses the base things of the world He uses those things that are foolish to confound those who are wise. He uses the things that are weak to confound those who are strong. Just think about it. Your testimony is weird, okay? But it's okay because that's what the world needs. The world needs a supernatural story. And yet that story is the gospel of one man saying, I'm taking it all so you can have it all. I'll take all of the wrath so you can have all of the grace. I'll take all of the pain so you can have all of the pleasure. Man, Jesus is powerful. And I don't know about you, but we could keep going on in this story. There's so much more in this story, but I'm not going to do that. There's such a great thing here. The power of Jesus. Now that we've been set free by the power of the gospel, we've been re- We've been rejected to the empowerment to share the good news that Jesus saves. He saves anyone, anywhere, in any time. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I love this account so much because there's still so much to take in from it. I challenge you, go home and read this passage again because there's so much in here that will show you of how much Jesus really loves you. But today, take with you that Jesus is powerful, that the power of Jesus is greater than the power of the enemy, that the power of Jesus brings real transformation and those who have experienced the power of Jesus are called to tell others. Church, I encourage you today, rest in his power. Church, I encourage you today, be sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you as you go into your next week, be, be aware of those who are in chains That you may help them break those chains with the power of the gospel. I told you before, there's a part of me that feels like a coward at moments. And this message I needed too. Because I want to see God do some great things. And I want to see the power of God work in and through our church, work in and through our people. And so today, trust in the fact that the power of Jesus is greater than the power of the enemy. Trust in the fact that the power of Jesus brings real transformation and embrace the call that you are called to tell others about that power. Let's pray and ask God to bless.